I was caught by surprise by Sean's and the, the gift of the session, and um, it's a wonderful, gracious gift that the session in this congregation has honored us with. I fell in love with this place in 1974, and I never got her out of my system. And when there was an opportunity to come back, um, in God's kindness, um, I had the opportunity with the family to come back. And this place, this congregation has been a blessing to my family. And I want you to know that I'm ever so thankful for your spirituality, your love for Jesus, your love for the gospel, your love for the kingdom of God. I'm ever so thankful that this has been a congregation that has been a lighthouse, not just to Memphis, but to the world. So thank you. Thank you for the way that you have blessed us and thank you for the way that you have blessed many. Let me invite you, if you would, to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to read for us uh, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Um, and I want us to talk, to deal with this passage as we're thinking about a prayer for spiritual strength. So Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, before uh, I pray, I want to give you the, the roadmap for where we're going to go today for a very few minutes. I want us to take a look um, at one verse, which is the theme verse of this entire passage, which is found in verse 19. And that theme verse is this, that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Then I'm going to ask you a question, how is this accomplished? I'm going to ask you another question, what is accomplished? And then I'm going to ask you a third question, what, what distracts us from these great promises? Now, that's our roadmap for a few minutes today. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, what an amazing thing that you have given to us, your gospel. What Sean has already reminded us of today, that our sins are forgiven. There is no condemnation because of what Jesus has done for us. And Father, we thank you for this pa these passages that we're reading, just that we read just momentarily. And 
Lord, we want more and more of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that over the course of our time this morning, that you will speak to us through your Spirit and enable us and equip us unto all that you have for us, not only in this moment, but for all eternity. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Go back if you would. Keep your Bibles open because we're going to move through this passage relatively systematically. And now again, look at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now as I begin this time with you this morning, uh, I want to talk about the fullness of the Holy Spirit and I want to talk about what does it mean that we're going to be strengthened with power? What does it mean that we're going to have the strength to comprehend with all the saints? And as I think about this, it's, it's really a sermon dealing with the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This morning, I'm, I'm not speaking of um, the radical terms of, of towards justification or sanctification that are, 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 that are untruthful and disjointed. We could talk more about justification and sanctification later. I'm not talking about um, radical ways that the charismatic movement has been defined. What we're talking about this moment is rather simple. What does it mean for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? You see, Paul is writing uh, practically and aspirationally, and he is writing spiritually to us. And he's writing to us in light of Romans chapter 12. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And and we can look back to various passages in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2 where we are reminded yet again that Jesus wants to show us the riches of his grace. We're reminded in Ephesians chapter 1 that in love he predestined us, in love he called us that we would be holy and blameless. We, we are reminded of the mercies of God in that there was a day and time that we were dead in our, in our trespasses, but God moved into our lives and he gave to us, he lavished upon us his grace that we would begin to experience not just life, but life eternal. And so the theme verse is, is simply this one in verse 19, that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. And one of my commentators said this, what does this mean? That we are filled up to capacity with the life of God. Dear friends, do we believe this truth? We must, because it's found within the inspiration of Scripture And it's it's informative to us of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But I want you to see this two little words. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. And what that means is we're filled right up to the very top of our lives. There was a tradition in the Norton household when I was a child. And that tradition was we had ice cream every night. It was a wonderful tradition. Bowls of ice cream, vanilla, chocolate, one for, one for dad, one for Ed, and one for the dog. The dog got a bowl of ice cream every night. 
And, and every now and then, mom would pull the blender out and she would make these just extravagant chocolate or vanilla milkshakes and she would put the glasses in the freezer and she would frost the glasses and then she would bring the glass out of the freezer and she would pour that pitcher, that craft of just delicious milkshake into this frosted glass and then she would set it on the counter and then I would come over and I would look at her and I would say, one more splash. And I would take that pitcher, that craft, and I would fill it to the brim. Beloved, that's what Paul's talking about here. He wants to fill us to the brim with all the fullness of God. And that's our theme. But then secondly, how does this occur in our lives? What is the means by which we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Look in verse 14. Uh, it says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Now, for this reason reflects back to everything that's been said in Ephesians before. But notice what he says, I bow my knees before the Father. I want, to, I want you to consider that if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it begins with prayer. Listen to what Tim Keller says. Prayer is a, continuing, is a continuing conversation that God has started with us through His Word and through His grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with Him. So it starts with prayer. And when, and when we bow our knees before the Father, you know, the, the, the posture that we are in as we are bowing our knees is one of personal humility, dependence upon grace, submission to our Father, and we come to our Father and we request of Him the very thing that is prayed for in this passage. And we're coming to Him to ask Him to give us His Holy Spirit, and He is our Father in heaven who knows how to give good and gracious gifts to His children. And He is our Father in heaven who has loved us before time began. So as we think about these two petitions that we'll discover in just a few moments, it begins with prayer to our Father. You might remember the name Blaise Pascal. He was a French philosopher. He was a Christian believer. And when he died... Um, they discovered that there was a note that was stitched in the inner lining of his coat from a journal entry that he had written years before concerning a very unusual experience that he had with the living God. The note was dated Monday, November 23rd, 1654. 10.30 p.m. to 12.30 p.m. This is what the note said. Fire, fire, fire. Listen to this account. Certainty, certainty, certainty. Again, joy, joy, joy. And again, God, my Father, do not leave me alone. I never want to be outside of your presence. I never want to be separated from you. Beloved, he was not crying out to the philosophers and, and the learned of the ages. He was crying out to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he was experiencing in that moment what it meant to experience with all, up to the very top, the fullness 
of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you long for the fullness of God in your life? Do you long for this gracious and generous gift that comes from the hand of the Father? And and we recognize, don't we, that this spiritual warfare that we have going on in our lives, the very thing that we want to do is not the thing that we do, and the thing that we don't want to do is indeed the very thing that we do. There's this massive spiritual warfare going on in our lives. Yet Paul is encouraging us, practically, spiritually, aspirationally, pray this prayer, for you need the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. I need the work of the Holy Spirit in my life to fight off the evil one who is a roaring lion seeking to devour us. What's the theme? Filled with all the fullness of God. What did the commentary say? Filled up to capacity with the life of God. Now I want you to see there's two petitions. There's a petition. The first petition is in 16 and 17. The second petition is in 18 and 19. And I'm going to take an angle of approach that's going to be unusual for you this morning. Because I'm not going to talk about being rooted um, in the love of Christ. What I want to talk about this morning is two things, strengthened with power and strength to, com- uh, to comprehend. Strengthened with power and then the strength to comprehend. Notice in verse 16 and verse 17, so that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. That's the first petition. Notice this. That according to the riches of his glory. Now, as I was meditating on this a couple of weeks ago, I thought, what on earth is that about? There have been times in my time with you that I have come alongside of families and I have, uh, have had the opportunity to provide counsel on ministries that they could support in and around Memphis or in other places um, because they wanted to have a spiritual return on investment. And these, are, these have been wealthy families and if, a, if one of these families came and, and said, we want to give a gift but we want to give this gift that is of what we have, then that would be nice, that would be appropriate, that would be helpful, but it would only be representative of what they have. But if someone came and said, I want to give a gift, but I don't want this to be a token, I don't want this to be representative, I actually want to give according to everything that I have. Then can you imagine the size of that gift, if they gave according to everything that they have. And dear friends, I want you to see in this passage, this is exactly what Paul is telling us. We have a Father in heaven who does not give of his riches. We have a Father in heaven who gives according to his riches. And when we stop and contemplate that and we meditate upon that, we we begin to see we have a Father in heaven who is going to lavish us 
with his love, his grace, his promises, and his resources. But I want you to see one more thing. We have a, we have a Father in heaven who gives according to his riches and uh, to his riches of his glory. Now, what does that mean? What, the, what if the passage just said, we have a Father in heaven who's going to give according to the riches of planet Earth? Well, we understand that. This is my Father's world. And if he gave according to the riches of planet Earth, that would obviously be plenty. But he goes beyond that. He gives according to the riches of his glory. What does that mean? That God is infinite in his perfection, infinite in his greatness, infinite in his worth. And what is the glory of God? The glory of God simply stated is the holy radiant is his holy radiance of righteousness. I have a good friend that I love being with her because of her countenance. And her countenance is a countenance of joy and holiness. I want you to start thinking when you start thinking of the glory of God, I want you to start thinking of the countenance of God. Because his countenance is the holy radiance of his righteousness, the holy radiance of his eternal nature, the holy radiance that he is omnipresent, the holy radiance that he is omnipotent, and on and on and on. You see, we have a father who gives according, according to what? To, the, to his riches. What kind of riches? The riches of his glory. Why does he do this? That you might be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. You see, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enters our lives to give us the knowledge, the skill, the experience, and the energy that we need so that we can actually engage in, in the things that he has called us to do. This strength of power means this. It's the ability to get the task done. Our problem is there are many, many times in my, in my history as, as, as a pastor of uh, in this church or other churches, and maybe this has been your experience as well, we've gone out to do ministry in the context of our own flesh and not in the context of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the beauty of this prayer is that we have the opportunity to ask God to give us his, the gift of His Spirit into our lives. The other day... Um, just about a week ago, um, I turned on the thermostat in the house. And I love to turn on the, the, the thermostat the first part of the year when you move it over to heat. And, and you hear the sound come out of the attic. And you get that little musty smell out of the vent. You know what I mean? And if you don't, then maybe it's just our house. But, um, but you get that little musty smell out of the vent. And I want you to know, I turned on the thermostat and nothing came out. And I told Sally, you got to call Tim. He's got to come fix our, our heater. 
And so we called Tim in, and Tim came the very next morning. He was up in the attic. He came down while I was actually working on the sermon, and he said, you know, your circuit board is out, and I got one in the truck. I'm going to replace it, and then you'll be fine. Beloved, we had to call someone in to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. And that is why we call the Holy Spirit in. You see, Tim came to our house with knowledge, skill, experience, and energy, and he actually accomplished the very thing that we needed. And when we call the Holy Spirit into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he provides for us knowledge, skill, experience, and and energy so that we can actually accomplish the very things that he's called us to, but not in the power of the flesh, certainly in the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And there's that phrase, through his spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that dispenses the riches of God's glory into the life of the believer in his inner being. And what is the inner being? The inner being is our heart, our mind, our soul. The inner being is the command center of all that we are about. And why does he do these things? That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being so that Christ, this is always about Jesus, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that we would actually be rooted and grounded in his love. But then the second petition, quickly, verse 18. So that we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. Once again, sanctification is a community project with all the saints. That we have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to to strengthen us with power. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to give us the strength to comprehend. The strength to know. Pre-iPhone... All of us had 30, many of us had 35 millimeter cameras. And we would, we would get those little Kodak cartridges. Remember those little Kodak yellow cartridges? And we would throw them in the back of the camera. And you could have uh, 12 pictures, 24 pictures, 36 pictures. And then you have to take them over here to the Photoshop and wait a week to get your pictures back. Do you remember those days? There was something in that cartridge that many of you uh, may not know about because you're the iPhone generation, and that was called film. (laughs) Now, film is a very special, I just, just call it a paper. It's a very special paper that has been simplistically stated, coated with chemicals in such a way that when the shutter opens, the light enters into uh, the camera and that paper that has been coated with chemicals seizes the light and captures the image. 
That's what that word comprehend means. You see, it's like our souls have been treated with the gospel of grace. Our souls have been treated with irresistible grace. Our souls have been treated with, with uh, our souls have been lavished with the promises and the mercies of God. And when gospel light comes and hits our film, hits our paper, we grasp that knowledge, we comprehend that knowledge, and all of that is coming to us as the gift of God. And when we comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the height, what is the depth, then we can begin to understand this love of Christ. And what does Paul say? And we don't even have the time to deal with it. This is a knowledge that actually surpasses, this is a love that actually surpasses knowledge. It's a divine love that is otherworldly. It's a divine love that molds and shapes us presently and eternally. It's a divine love that will never let us down. And it's a divine love that holds us fast. Because Jesus is holding us fast. But remember, when I started this just a few moments ago, I was going to ask one more question. And this is my final question. And it's my application for us this morning. If all this is true, the riches of the glory of God strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith, being rooted, grounded in love, strength to comprehend with all the saints, the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that that we would be filled with all the fullness of God? Why are we so distracted? Why are we so easily pleased? Paul David Tripp put it this way. Have you ever considered what God's agenda is for your life? God's agenda for your life is change. Your need is change. What is the promise of grace? The promise of grace is that if you have grace in your life, do you know what's going to happen? You're going to change. And the hope of eternity is the completion of the work of change because glorification takes place. So what keeps us from being filled with all the fullness of God? I want you to hear me on this. I'm preaching to myself and I'm preaching to my friends. Our problem is personal and spiritual self-satisfaction We're just too pleased with who we are and where we are. We're just too satisfied with our East Memphis existence. And we really want to hold grace at bay because we really don't want to change because we're so self-satisfied with the way that we are. Once again, trip. This is what we need to remember. We serve a dissatisfied Savior. We have a Savior 
who knows we still need the transforming work of his powerful grace. We have a Savior who is constantly intervening and working in our lives to bring this powerful grace. But he's a dissatisfied Savior in the sense, in that sense, but he's also a gracious, it's a gracious dissatisfaction. Because he's not judging us legalistically. He has the hope of holiness for each and every one of us. And then Tripp says this, Jesus will not relent until every microbe of sin is removed from every cell in every one of the hearts of his people. And beloved, there's a day and time coming when that's actually going to happen. Can I read that again? He will not relent until every microbe of sin is removed from every cell of every one of the hearts of his children. And is that, is, is, is this true? Is this your prayer? Is this, is this your hope? Lord, remove every microbe of sin from every cell in my life because I no longer want to be filled with self. I simply want to be filled with Jesus. Beloved, is this your dream? Is this your hope? Is this your prayer? Ask him. You might be surprised by the gift that he gives you. Let's pray. Father, be with us. Let us know of your power and your strength and all that you've done for us, not only in this life, but for all eternity. In your son's name we pray. Amen.